Wear the Ring Episode 1. Winning is more fun than losing. Welcome back, Duquesne fans, to another episode of We Wear the Ring. I guess our our first episode, but it's kind of like the reboot of the whole thing. Uh, and happy Thanksgiving to all of you. This week it is Turkey Day coming up, so uh, for for myself and I'm sure Steve, for you as well, uh, we want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And I guess, spoiler alert, Steve's here too. Steve, how you doing this week? I'm well. My family actually celebrates Canadian Thanksgiving just to be difficult. So Oh, so it was a month ago. No, no, actually, I'm just kidding. You know, okay. We do it the enough. right way. We do it the right way. <laughs> the right way. Uh-oh. Watch out. Canada's coming for you. Um, hey, so, yeah, happy Thanksgiving. We hope it's great. Hope you all have a great time with your families and your weird uncle does not spend the whole time ostracizing your family who's just trying to eat a meal. Um, we have a few quick items about just general Duquesne stuff, and then we'll be on to our feature topic, which is the men's basketball undefeated start. So, a couple of quick hits, Steve. First off, the football team clinched the NEC with the 38-31 win versus Central Connecticut State. I mean, it's still technically a share, but the, the tiebreaker favors them since Duquesne took care of Sacred Heart. So, uh, looks like they're going to be facing Towson in the playoffs. So, the question is this. Uh, Duquesne has beaten CAA teams before, though primarily Albany. Uh, can they beat Towson? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, just looking at the way the Towson's actually ended their year, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're playing really, really good teams, but they lost three out of the last four. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not as if this team isn't familiar with losing, and I don't know if they're playing their best football right now. I think it was a fairly solid draw for the Dukes, and I think one that they can do a lot with, potentially. I think so, too. Um I, I definitely have some concerns. You know, J- James Madison certainly managed to shut them down in their previous game, but at the same time, James Madison is frequently at the the highest echelons of FCS. Um, you know, the offense is led by Joe Flacco's younger brother. So what James Madison did was contain him. I don't know if the Dukes can manage to do the same thing. Yeah, and I, I think it is worth noting that their one win was a, a beatdown of Elon who was, I believe, at the time ranked number five in the country for Mm -hmm. FCS. So it's not as if that one win wasn't against a team that's significantly better than Duquesne or anyone else in the NEC for that matter. Yeah, it was a... Yeah, the one win in the last four. Yeah, that's that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, I, I guess my fear would be that the NEC is far more running league, and the Dukes haven't really seen too many talented quarterbacks that they need to contain, not in their... They're real winnable games, right? Not if we count the FCS games. Uh, I guess arguably the one team that's more pass-oriented is Bryant, and that was a loss. Though to be fair, the the fumble recovery for a touchdown was maybe as much responsible for that as anything else. I mean, uh, Bryant got them for two scores, both on, on the arm of their quarterback. But, you know, without that fumble, who knows what could have happened. Yeah, I do think that game was actually kind of fluky. And, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess... When you look at the way the rest of Bryant's schedule turned out, um, you know, I don't know if that one was necessarily indicative of how Duquesne is capable of playing. But I agree with you, though. It is a concern that they this is a different beast than they're used to facing. 
Yeah, it's a very balanced team. So I uh, certainly hope the Dukes end up on the right side of this. I'm just happy to be on the right side of the share for once. Uh, it hasn't been that way for a couple of years now. Finally, we, uh, we get the good end of it. But regardless, you can catch it on ESPN3 next Saturday, the 24th. And I certainly am going to try to do that myself. Just a, a quick comment. This could be a drive-by unless you have a thing to say about it, Steve. I really don't think that a share of the championship should happen when the teams that are tied play to a definite result like Sacred Heart and Duquesne did. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, especially when we're talking about just having a seven-team league. So seven teams and two of them were two sevens of the league were champions. I, I, I don't know about that, especially when there's such a definitive thing that the champion gets. I know that technically strips Duquesne of a couple championships if they had changed that. But I mean, frankly, I don't care. What we all want to do is get to the NCAA tournament because win or lose, that's a little bit of recognition and prestige for the program. I mean, that's the prize pig at the end of the day, really. I don't know if I completely agree with you in terms of that the, the share isn't meaningful, and I think maybe that is because I don't want all of our shares to have been taken away. I mean, we have, what, like 25 of them in 11 years in the NEC. I don't even know how that's possible, but it just feels like <laughs> almost every year has been a share. Um, you know, I, 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 I get where you're coming from, especially in a 17 league. I think it is pretty meaningless, and it almost feels like um, – it's too easy almost. I don't want to say it's too easy. I, I mean, I guess, you know, let me backtrack on that. But because, you know, these these teams are, they did still distinguish themselves over the space of the season. And I guess I will say this much, at the very least, everybody is at least playing each other head-to-head. -head. So it's, so while there are some issues with home-and-away matchups, uh, at the very least, you know, it's, it's not like, it, it's a full round robin. It's not like it's a 20-team league. And, and you're only playing, you know, eight games. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I guess at the end of the day, if it's a full full comparison where you are getting every team once, I, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's a value add for having a split then because at least everybody played everybody else. And, you know, if, if they only managed to lose one game to one team, you know... Um, I don't know. I guess it's it is a hard it's a it is a weird situation though. I mean, I definitely see why you'd ask the question, um, you know. But I, I I don't know. I don't think it completely diminishes everything, um, and I still still think there's a value add to the share. But it definitely does sting being on the other end of it so many times, you know, when you aren't the winner, when you're not the one that's actually going to the dance. Definitely. And a few of those times we've been on the bad end of the share against Sacred Heart. So very nice to uh, put them on the wrong side of it regardless. Uh, finally, got to say, women's basketball, tough loss to Toledo today as we record this. Of course, it'll probably be Tuesday when this episode drops. Uh, I got to say a bright spot was the bench play. I thought Soleil and Kalen did a nice job. Even the Toledo uh, broadcasters seemed very impressed with them. Of course, Soleil finished with, I think, 16 or 17 points. I don't have the stats in front of me right now. But, uh, boy, they, they really need to rebound against uh, St. Francis here in a couple of days. Yeah, they need to beat the teams that they need to beat. Um, you know, and, and I agree with you. I think the depth and the bench has done a great job. Um, you know, I mean, it's we have to remember that they're down Connor Richardson right now. And, well, I don't know if she's the frontline offensive player. Um, she's an excellent defender. It was all conference uh, preseason 
uh, all defensive team. So she's a good one, and she hasn't played a minute to you know so far this year. So I do think that's a challenge, and it is great to see that there are some players that are stepping up. Uh, I, I do think part of the issue right now, though, too, is, is some of the big guns haven't, you know, exactly uh, been playing to their fullest, um, you know, so uh, particularly Chastiana Grosso. I mean, I think she was one for 12 today from the floor, you know, from your star player that was preseason all first team or first team all conference. I, I think you definitely want a little more out of her. You know, she picked up her second foul midway into the second quarter and then had her third foul pretty quickly into the third. And uh, I, I think it was just, I, she already hadn't been playing great to that point, but I don't think she had a real good opportunity to find any sort of rhythm. And I, I don't think having to be pulled out of the game for spans of time because of the fouling uh, really did a whole lot for that. Now, granted, Dan Burt did decide to put her back in not long after she did pick up that third foul, and it didn't really bite them too bad, except for the fact that, of course, she wasn't producing today, unfortunately. But, you know, you raise a good point. The Dukes have yet to have Richardson out there, and uh, you really don't expect Almagroso to play like that all the time. You you figure that she's going to hit her stride, and it's going to be lights out from here on out, at least as far as she's concerned. You certainly hope so. I think right now, though, they've got one player that's averaging 10 or more points, uh, which, I mean, is not gonna, it's not going to fly over the whole season. I think St. Francis is a good rebound opportunity, like you had mentioned. Uh, you know, the sad thing is, though, is if they won an at-large bid, I do think maybe they've wasted a couple of opportunities for some good wins here uh, against Toledo. I mean, Texas would have been an extreme long shot, but going on the road and beating TCU, that would have probably looked very nice on their resume come selection time. It would have, and I think now with, I mean, those two losses, obviously, like you said, Texas, whatever. TCU, maybe missed opportunity. Toledo, I think definitely a missed opportunity. They kept it close for large stretches, but they just failed to capitalize multiple times. Uh, they, you know, it was great when Soleil tied it, but then they, uh, they gave up a 12-3 run to Toledo, just with a few unforced errors, I would say. Yeah, and I do think they've played a tough schedule so far. I mean, I, I don't want to take that away from them. Uh, I don't think they've been very consistent within games, uh, as I think you sort of alluded to there uh, as well. Um, you know, they've just been getting pounded on runs. And, you know, mm -hmm. again, I, I think part of that is you need your senior, senior leadership to really sort of step up and, and take control of these games. And it doesn't help when you have someone who you expect to be a senior leader injured on the bench right now so sure, uh, sure. Ho hopefully hopefully she's able to get back you know as soon as humanly possible and everything will will go well uh, they certainly have a lot to get ready before Atlantic 10 play begins uh, I, I don't think they're in trouble yet but uh, not not this season but I, I think it's worth you know the question's got to start coming into the back of your head and uh, but certainly Dan Burton knows what he's got to do uh, there's nothing the last several years that would lead me to believe that he doesn't know how to prep this team. So looking forward to uh, seeing how they move forward. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that they're damaged at this point, you know, in terms of their resume and their potential to get an at-large bid. I, I think all three of these losses are going to come down as pretty well neutral. Uh, again, like you, I think you said it there before, it's, it's just a missed opportunity, um, mm -hmm. you know, missed opportunity to actually stack the resume. You know, the, the way that I kind of look at it, they need to win probably three of four against Penn State, Central Florida, Syracuse, and Temple in order to even really give themselves a chance at the end of the year. That's, you know, the Atlantic 10 isn't like men's basketball most years in the sense that, you know, 
the Dukes or whoever is once an at-large bid from from this league, they're going to have to stack up wins against good teams out of conference because they're not going to have as many t- opportunities to make up for them with with everyone that's in league. They're just not as good. They're not as deep. And there's also some really bad teams in the Atlantic 10 that are going to really hurt the strength of schedule overall. Yeah, generally it's a two, sometimes three bid league. Uh, I think I think some fans who are longtime followers of the women's program will recall that the Atlantic 10, it felt like they were regularly getting three bids, but that was before a lot of the shakeup uh, earlier this decade. That, w- that was when we had a, a different variety of teams there. The last several years, it's been two, maybe three. Uh, I think there was even a time when it was one bid, but I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I, I don't remember off the top of my head either, but um, I mean, you, you do have some perennial powers. I mean, Dayton's always very good. St. Joe's is always very good. Fordham has been very strong, too. Um, George Washington lately. George Washington, very good point. I completely forgot about them too. I mean, there's other some there's some other teams that have kind of fallen off, uh, you know, in recent years. Like St. Bonaventure was very consistently good uh, for a long time, Uh, you know. But then there's also some teams that just don't even uh, programs that don't even really feel like they try very hard in college basketball. And again, that I mean, women's basketball, and and that really drags down the rest of the conference it really does um which is a shame because i think if you actually had those teams putting in the effort that they do for men's basketball on the women's side and and valuing that program the the overall scale of the atlantic 10 would be much much higher the whole profile of the league would be considerably higher and it would be more in line with what the men's league is in most years that's absolutely certain and one one thing that we can definitely say is that uh very happy that Duquesne is placing such an emphasis on the women's program, and they have been for the last several years, going back to at least when they hired Susie McConnell Serio, if not maybe even a little bit before. So wonderful to see on Duquesne's part not uh, going down to what's what seems to be acceptable for maybe the average or slightly below average part of the A-10. Uh, finally, we got to just say April Robinson getting her number retired. I can't think of somebody more deserving in the last several years. You know, she... Uh, was a huge part of, I mean, the program had been rebuilt at that point. The program was doing well, but she's a big part of why they got to the NCAA tournament. She's why Duquesne had that birth. And uh, boy, I mean, her leadership on and off the court, uh, her academics speak for themselves, of course, too. Um, But man, I mean, just the amount of assists that she dished out, she just had a great view um, of her team and the game and everything like that. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really happy to, uh, to see her get her number retired this January. Yeah, she hit a lot of big baskets, too. And, I mean, I think she was mm-hmm. a great two-way player, too. I mean, she was an excellent defender as well. Uh, just really uh, great competitor. You know, she, she, you could always tell that she hated to lose. Um, you know, really fun watching her career. And, and I do think she was sort of a, a next-level player uh, for Dan Burt. Um, you know, like I said, excellent story. I, again, I agree with you. I, I think it's great that they're retiring our number. I'm a little surprised maybe that it happened this soon, but I'm not going to complain about that in any way, shape, or form. I'll point out that uh, the other couple of ladies who have their numbers up on the rafters, weren't weren't they retired, like, at their senior night? I couldn't answer that question. I actually I'm, I'm am, fairly certain. I don't in fact, even I, know. I'm pretty sure that's the case. I, at least I remember being there when uh, Corey Hillady's jersey was retired, and that was that was on her senior night. Uh, I, I can't remember for certain, but uh, 
arguably maybe it should have happened sooner. Uh, either way, very, very deserving, and not just for the performance, but also, you know, don't forget, she was one of the players who weathered the coaching change as well. And yeah, she stuck she... with it and look at look at what they did, you know? Yeah, and I think she was a really great fit for both coaches' systems um, just because she was so versatile. Yes. We just have to talk about this men's basketball team and their undefeated 3-0 start to the season. Wins against William & Mary, maybe a little bit of an easier one, certainly relative to uh, Illinois-Chicago and uh, obviously Radford the other night and Akron. 3-0, looking pretty good. I mean, obviously there's some shaky elements, and as you said in your articles, Steve, which you can check out on WeWearTheRing.net, uh, we might have wanted a side of Tums with the Illinois-Chicago game, and yeah, Johnny felt the same about the Radford game. But nonetheless, a win's a win, especially for a team that's still trying to figure each other out and play together. Yeah, and I do think it's worth noting that these aren't bad teams. Like This isn't like the way that they started last year where it was just cupcake after cupcake after cupcake. I mean, these guys are actually, you know, these are, they're not great teams. These aren't resume-building wins. It's not, the, you know, Duquesne's not going to put themselves in the NCAA tournament on the backs of, of these three games. But, I mean, you know, in all likelihood, you know, they're going to, I mean, all three are top 20, or 200 Ken, in Ken Pomeroy's rankings mm -hmm. right now. I don't think it's out of the question that all three will end up in the top 150 by the, the time everything shakes down. Again, not nothing major, but at the same time, though, given the fact that how much this team had to to, to, to integrate into the into just some semblance of a basketball team this year, you know, nine new faces, um, you know, I, I really do think it's it's kind of surprising that they did get to 3-0. and I would have expected them to have at least dropped one of these games, if not two. So, again, this isn't weak competition by any stretch of the imagination. You know, again, not world beaters, but not bad either. Although, speaking of world beaters, certainly Radford managed to take it to Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, to your credit, or to your point about the... Uh the quality of these schools. I mean, Radford's expected to do very well in their conference. Uh, UIC, if I recall, was something like 12 and 6 in theirs last year. Uh, William and Mary, I think, was supposed to do pretty well in theirs as well. So, I I mean, you, you have uh, three opponents that we face so far, all of which are expected to do pretty well or are coming off of a, at least a half-decent season last year, if not a pretty good one. And here we are, 3-0. and uh, Not bad. I'll take it. No, and these are much more experienced teams, too. I think that's worth noting also. Uh, I, and to your point, I believe William & Mary was picked fourth in the Colonial. So, again, not uh, exactly a um, not a great conference, but, I mean, they're probably going to be pretty comparable to the Atlantic 10 this year. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think it's, um, I, again, I think it's a great start. I don't want to take anything away from them. I think they're finding ways to win. Uh, despite the fact that you know they've got some some challenges to overcome, some rust to shake, shake off, uh, learning the uh, the speed and the pace of the NCA game, the grind, going to classes, you know, <laughs> getting getting papers done the day after you have a game, um, all of those things, you know, I, I, all of these guys are are really I think rising to the task, um, and and the cool thing is it's also been somebody new stepping up every night. It feels like. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. You know, 
we're going to talk a little bit about the Notre Dame game, but since you bring this up, I think this is an interesting point. Uh, all of the teams that Notre Dame has played so far have not gotten a whole lot of bench points. I mean, maybe six points here or there, something like that. But, you know, on paper, I think Duquesne's bench is a much better one than the others. Uh, Duquesne has Duquesne's bench has had a player in double figures each game. Duquesne's gotten some good contribution from the bench. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's something that we can expect from Keith Dambrot teams moving forward. I mean, he likes to go 10 deep. Like last year when he had to play, uh, you know, so few players for so many minutes, I think it probably, you know, gave him that. He probably needed those tums because that just is not his style. He wants <laughs> he wants two of everybody, you know, at each position, you know, and I, I think he's getting close to having that now. I mean, I think that there's some challenges at the power forward position right now in terms of depth. Uh, and I think it's, uh, you know, it seems like the bench at center is going to be by committee uh, between Austin Rotroff and Amari Kelly. Um, you know, but at the same time, though, I, I, I do think that he's got some significant options. And, he, you know, what we're seeing this year is more what we can expect from this team moving forward. There's going to always be depth. Um you know, there's always going to be a guy that's waiting in the wings. And it's also going to push the starters a lot more because they know that there's going to be somebody that's working to take their place and take their minutes if they're having an off night. That's certain. And, you know, you talk about off nights. Let's look at the Illinois-Chicago game. You know, after the game, you commented to me, Steve, and I, I'm sure this is something that a lot of Duquesne fans have said. In fact, I saw it on on the uh, message board as well. You know, this is a game that past Duquesne teams would have lost, and that's absolutely true. Uh, but my retort was not only that, but Duquesne would have been in the Illinois-Chicago position in the past as well. And also found a way to lose, too, right? How many times did we see in the past a game where the Dukes were up by double digits and kind of frittered it away and then ended up losing the tight one? Um, not only would Duquesne not have been able to come back in the past, I think Duquesne would have also been in Illinois-Chicago's position in the past and, uh, and and basically kind of done what the Flames did. Um, it really kind of nice to see on all sides. No, I agree with you 100%. And I, how many times have we heard from with a young Duquesne team that they just need to learn how to win. They need to learn how to win after tough losses. The cool thing is with this group is they're actually learning how to win by winning. Um, that's kind of a novel idea and I think one that we haven't thought too much about in the past. But the fact is, is they are putting up the W's and they are learning and they are gelling, um, you know, and they are going to get better, um, you know, as the season goes on, as those rush shake, as they shake the rust off, as the freshmen figure out the game. So I, I only think it's, you know, I do think this team has another gear to get to. Um, I don't know if we're going to see it against Notre Dame. Uh, I think that might be asking a little too much. I think this game is actually probably the most difficult game on the schedule Uh for the Dukes this season. I mean, that might yeah. include um, that might include the trip to Davidson uh, and St. Louis, who are probably mm -hmm. going to be the two toughest road games in conference. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this is a great Notre Dame team. This isn't the best one that they've had in, in a very long time. I mean, in fact, it, it could be kind of a down year for them. But going into South Bend uh, is not going to be an easy thing for the Dukes to do. No, that's absolutely the case. I mean, I think Duquesne has a lot of potential again with the with the bench points. You know, that's that's contribution that these other teams did not get 
who went up. Even even Radford, who beat them, did not get a lot of contribution from their bench. Uh, it, it looks like every team. I think I think another benefit for Duquesne is that every team against Notre Dame has had like they've had players in double figures from multiple parts of the floor. It's been the guards and the forwards. So teams are scoring their points against them. Uh, I, I think it's a little different when you're talking, you know, a William and Mary or a UIC rather than a team from the Atlantic 10 like Duquesne. Now, granted, the Atlantic 10 may be down as we've talked about. Of course, another article on the site, another discussion on the message board about those uh, topics in particular. But you know, a young team, a growing team, yes, but a team now that's undefeated, that's won three completely different ways, and not only that, but won games that they would have lost before. So I think that's very exciting. Uh, you, you did bring up the youth. I think we got to talk about some areas they can tighten up. You know, one element you discussed was just kind of the game speed and all kind of operating on that same level. There was a little discussion about uh, Sincere Carey's passes around the William and Mary game and how the, the team is like, missing passes because he's just so darn fast to see it. His vision is so good. Uh, I think the team still needs to get that. I think there's still a little bit of that happening. Um, but once they get it, man, his dishes are just excellent. Yeah, I definitely uh, definitely saw a few balls bounce off of the uh, the hands of some players um, sitting under the, the hoop and, uh, against the University of Chicago taking – or Illinois Chicago taking some pictures – um, on last Monday night, you know, just bouncing, you know, I mean, I, I don't think any of them translated to turnovers. I think most of the time they recovered well, but, um, not exactly, you know, the, the shining moment for some of these guys, you know, <laughs> but I, again, they're not used to, you know, they're not used to him, you know, he, he is quick. He is very, very, uh, um, savvy in terms of his, his floor vision and in terms of, you know, finding guys and getting them the ball at the right moment. Um, I think as the players learn to accept his distribution and and start figuring out how, you know how you know that it's coming and when it's coming, um, it's you know we're going to see even more um, more of these these great passes converted into baskets. And I mean the guys already had a nine nine assist night, a seven assist night, and a six or a five assist night. That's pretty insane for a freshman when you really think about it, um, you know. So for you know, considering that that you know, with a little bit of better response from his teammates, a little bit more, you know, if if they're just more in tune with him, that that those numbers are going to go even, they could get even better. That is just kind of insane to me. Definitely, I mean, he's been a a really, really pleasant surprise so far. I, I don't know if I can say unexpected because I, I think that the talent level of the guys that Dambrot was bringing in is pretty well known to those of us who've been following it. But nonetheless, uh, to have a freshman come in playing the point position, uh, you, you know, you, you rely on them so heavily, especially in a system like what we're playing here, uh, for, for Carey to do what he's doing uh, against some, some teams that are of reasonable quality is really quite something. And I can't wait to see how he develops because if this is what's happening now with him, with players that aren't used to it, with him still getting used to the college game, I mean, my gosh, you know, what, what are the next three years after this going to be like too? That's really exciting. You know, point guard matters so much. And I, I think this is a point I always go back to or a memory I always go back to. Several years back, it was the NCAA tournament, and I want to say it was UNC had their point guard go down. Bad injury. And, like, 
that that was it. They had a backup. It wasn't as good as this guy. When you don't have a point guard, you almost don't have a team, especially for a lot of the different systems that are out there. Yeah, and I don't want to take anything from away from Brandon Wade. I think in his Heck own no. right, he's a very, very good and capable freshman point guard. Uh, I mean, and and to have those two as a two-headed monster, I think is going to be insane. Uh, you know, uh, over the next four years, I I do think that um, you know, they're going to get some time where they're on the floor together. Um, and man, that is going to be a tough backcourt to play against. Uh, you know, neither of them as freshmen are making a ton of mistakes. Um, so to have them together at the same time, uh, is going to be an excellent, excellent, uh, fit. And, and just, uh, you know, again, it's not, you know, they're going to make, they're going to make defenses work for any turnover, I guess, if, if, if when it comes to it, but, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think sincere is, is, is he has the potential to be a very, very special player. Um, and, and I am looking forward to him growing as a player as well. And Dambrot said as much in the uh, interviews recently, too, uh, especially after that crazy performance he had against Illinois Chicago. Uh, another area I think that could get better, turnovers, though I expect that once people get used to when to expect the ball from the point guards, that's going to correct itself. But uh, I, I think in some cases the turnovers haven't been exactly where the Dukes want them. No, and I mean, I don't think it's really all that surprising, though, either, to be honest with you. I mean, truth be told, I would have expected more turnovers at this point in the game just because of how new everyone is together. I honestly think that, you know, relatively speaking, I know it was a little, got a little excessive, I guess, against Radford. That's um, what I was thinking it, in particular. And it seemed like they came in bunches in the other games, so it probably looked a little more pronounced than it actually was. But I do think, by and large, I mean, I'm not going to complain too much. Again, this is the time of the year where this team was supposed to be out of whack. This is the team of the time of the year where they were supposed to start to gel or work on gelling and get better as a unit. I mean, it just so happens that they've been doing that, but they've also gotten three wins out of it. You know, I think they're just a little further along than we anticipated them being. And, and I wouldn't say the turnovers are an issue. I think that area is, they can definitely tighten up, no question about that. Um, but I do think that'll sort of come naturally. And I, I think they will get better in that department. What's the biggest thing you'd like to see them improve, Steve? I'd still like to see more consistency on defense. I don't think they played a very good defensive game uh, against UIC in particular. I mean, I know they stepped it up a little bit against Radford, but you know, I think that there's still some... You know, you can't defend the whole court. You know, you, you only have five players, you know. So, I mean, you're going to, you know, a good offense when it executes, you know, you're going to, you're going to find open looks. But, you know, I'd like to see them tighten that up. I'd like to see them rotate a little bit better, um, you know, especially with uh, with the open threes. Um, I think we've seen a lot more of those. I think they, you know, uh, UIC punish them, especially early for those looks. Um you know, I think Radford, you know, I, I, you know, they, they sort of got out all their makes, you know, against Notre Dame. Um, so, I, I mean, I think they, they, they didn't, you know, hammer the Dukes quite as badly as they could have. But I, I, I would like to see better perimeter defense in terms of, uh, you know, uh, you know, recovering from inside out passes, you know, doing better on cross court coverage, you know, things like that. You know, I, I, I think it is too easy right now to find an open three-point shot against this team. 
And I think a big part of that is that sometimes players are overcommitting on the help defense. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think they're following where the ball is a little too much. They're going just a little too far, and that's where some of those open looks are coming from. Yeah, I mean, and and I do think that that's the case. I think some of it is maybe um, helping when you're not supposed to. You know, I think there's been a few times too where it looks like guys that <laughs> that were supposed to um, to to get out and you know be more on the wing were sort of you know they were hedging maybe a little bit too much. Um, you know, but again, I think we, we talk about the chemistry and gelling on offense, I mean, which is the much more noticeable side of things. I think they've got to, you know, they're going to have to take some time to develop chemistry and gel on defense as well, too. And I think we'll see some of that coming, you know, as they they get some more time together as a unit, or at least I hope we will. So, But at the same time, though, I, I do think they've been a pretty difficult team to drive on, Um you know, so I mean, I guess they have that going for them too. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna hedge on the help defense, at least they are making it difficult to score inside. That's for certain. That's for certain. Uh, I I have to say I do like the way they're moving the ball on offense. Uh, really happy with that. I I think that's kind of a continuation from last year, but I think we're able to see it a lot more this year. Just there there were a lot of times in years past where it felt like we were just passing around the perimeter and not really testing the inside at all. And uh, that's that's just not the case at all right now. Uh, really, really happy to see that. I mean, even with a couple of the talented post players we went up with, you know, Knight for William and Mary is certainly good, and he's gotten his points in every single game they've played so far. Uh, he's just, uh, he, he's, a, he's a good player for those guys. But um, they're, they're still testing inside. They're still willing to do it. They're, it's not just, let's, run down the shot clock passing around the perimeter and then take an ill-advised shot uh there's a little more intention to it not not in all phases of it they're still a little too young for that uh, in, in terms of their time working together but you know it, it's definitely getting there yeah i would agree with that I, I think you know we might also be only seeing the tip of the iceberg as far as that how well this team shares the ball mm-hmm. um you know so i i mean you, we've seen a lot of really nice drive and kicks i think we've seen you know, bigs, you know, take it in, realize they don't have anything and pass it back out to the perimeter. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I do think that we, you know, we're in pretty good shape as far as ball movement goes. Again, light years better than I would have expected right now at this time in the season with so many new faces coming together. Definitely. So, Steve, each game so far, we've had a different player from the bench come in and just do really, really well. Uh, we had Rotroff against William and Mary, uh, uh, Norman against Norman Jr. against uh, UIC, uh, of course Hughes against Radford. So after you know, again, we're going to be talking. People already have seen the Notre Dame game, perhaps by the time they're listening to this, uh, since we're going to drop this on that day. Um, for the Notre Dame game, who do you think we're going to see step up from the bench? Who we're going to be talking about then? I, I, I'm not actually sure on that one. That's a good question. I, I think that there's. Um, I don't know if it'll necessarily be somebody new. Um, I could see Rotroff doing pretty well in that situation. Um, I could see, um, I could see it being Frankie Hughes, and I mean, I, I think many people may have thought he had a chance to come in and be a starter, you mm-hmm. know, right from the jump, um, you know, with this team, you know, given that he was coming from Missouri, 
uh, had some really, really good schools after him. So, I mean, I, I could see him going off again. I, I could see him sliding into that sort of uh, that void that's left by Taron Smith being gone. Um, let me think. I mean, it could be um, it could be uh, Tavian Dunmartin as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, he seems like he's um, ready to go off as far as um, you know his three point shot goes. I mean, he is just such a quick release, and I mean, he does not need to have his feet set, you know, at all to, to chuck up a three and make it. I mean, he's pretty, uh, he's pretty amazing in that regard. So, I mean, I, I guess if, if we're talking about somebody new, I think he's probably the most likely of the ones that we haven't seen so far, um, to, to blow up. I mean, you know, so, um, yeah, again, not to, yeah. And when he was close to it with William and Mary, you know, he had nine points off the bench, uh, including three assists and two steals, which is Pretty awesome. Uh, it just happened that uh, you know Rotroff goes three from three, three for three from beyond the line, and six or seven field goals in general, and seventy. I mean, wow, seventeen points. Unfortunately, fouled out too. But you know, what, sure. are, you, what are you going to do? Otherwise, maybe that stat line would have been a little uh, more impressive. But uh, nonetheless, Dunmartin looked pretty darn good in that game as well. So uh, who knows? It's it's nice to have a bench like that so far. You know, as we said, these are not like bad teams is a very different schedule than what we had last year. So to have different players stepping up and taking their opportunity, I think is very exciting. Um, I, I'm thinking uh, Frankie Hughes as well. Um, I liked what he showed against Radford. I, I, I thought he played uh, extremely well. He was uh, the shots that he did take. He was accurate. I think he made a lot out of his 24 minutes. So uh, I'm, I think he can do the same. Yeah, and and back to your point about Will, the William and Mary game, it was it was there were so many good individual performances in that one that I guess it is kind of easy to overlook what he did. Yeah, um, you know that that's for sure. So, um, but yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my I'm gonna stick with my choice though. Is is if there's somebody that's gonna come in and nail it off the bench though, I'm gonna go with him. So, absolutely, can't wait to see what happens on Tuesday night, but. Uh, for us, I think that about wraps it up, brings our show to an end, Steve. Yeah, and this was uh, first one of these back, the first full episode back, and, and I think that we're going to do a nice job of sticking to our time limits and, and not dragging on for too long, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, I I mean, how long were our, our old podcasts or what? Like, they were like, what, three and a half hours, I feel like? <laughs> three and a half days, maybe? Three and a half, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Years? I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, we, not sure. um, I'm still listening to our old, our first episode from back then. You still haven't you haven't finished editing the last couple, so yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's a marathon. It's yeah, um, they they just they just went on forever. It feels like so. This was good. I think we um, we got to the point, and I think I'm sure that our, our listeners will greatly appreciate that. Yeah, and I I think they'll especially appreciate the part where you're making a very very long point about how we got to the point and everything else. An excellent point. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to be back at it, Steve, uh, especially working with you on this. This is a lot of fun, so we'll keep going, and we will see you next week. Until then, let's go Dukes. Dukes.